the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the tagger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rush down the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Warner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Friday the 21st. You're tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bats. Since 1995, Mountaineer Kitchens and Bats has delivered distinguished remodeling services to our home community of Martinsburg. From new construction to remodeling, Mountaineer Kitchens and Bats can design a new kitchen or bath. Their talented designers can bring to life any concept you'd like to create. So check them out at MountaineerKitchensandBats.com on Facebook, or you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Good morning, fellas. Good morning. How was your guys' uh, trip up to Maryland yesterday? Yeah, we had a great time. It was a uh, fun game. It was a competitive game. What we honestly really expect between the two of us, it was a lot of running the football, a lot of good defense played on both sides. The Hubs looked a lot better than what I thought they were going to look. Their quarterback, Luke Kirchwell, had some very nice throws there in the game. And, yeah, the Cardinals came out with a very important win. They're going to move to 3-5 and five on the season, and that drops the Hubs back to 5. Well, no, that doesn't drop them back to 500. That'll put them at 3-5 and five on their season. So both teams now 3-5 and five after the Spring Mills win. And the Cardinals keep the playoff hopes alive. Yeah, uh, I I concur with everything you just said. Did a good job, and the uh, the high school curse is over for Parker as well. The high school curse is done. Uh, and Spring Mills look good. Plenty to talk about when we hear from head coach Josh Sims here in a little bit. Uh, but uh, victorious as they needed to be for the Cardinals going the rest of the way. And we're expecting good things from our Panhandle game tonight as well. Well, let's listen back to some of the highlights from last night's uh, part one of the Panhandle game of the week between North Hagerstown Hubs and the Spring Mills Cardinals. First and goal. They'll spot it at the five-yard line. They'll go back to that power set wing back tight into the left. Anderson will take it. Look to run up the middle. Puts a shoulder in the defender. And he's into the end zone for the Cardinal touchdown. Ball at the left hash is Kirchhoff will look to throw. Pumps once, now steps up in the pocket. It's going to be wrapped up, and he's going to be sacked behind the line of scrimmage. Finally, they win the battle in the trenches to the Cardinals, and Anthony Williams that time with the sack of a couple of yards to bring up fourth down, and the Hubs will punt. Anderson on fourth and a yard will keep it himself, running out to the right. He's got the first down, and he breaks into the open field of the 30, to the 20, 15, 10, 5. See you later, Max Anderson. Anderson kept it himself on fourth and one. He got the yard, and he got the touchdown. And he's also the backup quarterback. Spring Mills has faked a couple of punts this year. It's a high snap. Schwartz is looking to throw over the middle of the field. It's tipped. It's caught by Max Anderson, and the fake punt works. And it's a line drive kick that's loose on the turf. It's rolling. It's recovered by the Cardinals. An onside kick recovered by Zach Bender, and the Cardinals have the football to begin the second half. You can hear the rest of the highlights over on our Twitter page at EP News Network. But we were talking about how that was a game that the Cardinals had to win. And, well, they went out and they got that win. They did. It was a little scary early on. Tied 15 at the half. They give up a big touchdown early on. Uh, to North Hagerstown and Luke Kirchival, like we mentioned, was a good ball thrown. And then they started to assert their dominance in the second half, scored two unanswered touchdowns, and a lot of that had to do with Max Anderson. Had him unofficially with close to 200 yards rushing, three rushing touchdowns, uh, a, a touchdown through the air as well he threw, uh, and 
28 carries. So he had a lot to do with the success of that game on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, it was important, of course, for them to get Stotler back, for Gavin Jones to come back, who had a big tackle and a sack that you can hear in those highlights on Twitter. Anthony Williams as well made a big play. And uh, Tristan Davis came up with an interception and a touchdown reception as well. So players needed to make plays, made plays for the Cardinals, and uh, they were able to pull out the victory. And with looking into that game, the offensive line for Spring Mills was very dominant run blocking in the second half, too. A lot of that, that was a master class of how to run the clock and keep your team and your opponent away from possessing the ball in the second half. Spring Mills probably had the ball for, I'd say, at least three quarters of the second half. They just had it. Kept running the ball with Max Anderson. They couldn't. North Hagerstown couldn't stop runs up the middle with Anderson or any runs up the middle. East South running wasn't working as well for Spring Mills, but the North South with Anderson was almost unstoppable with how they were bringing it on the defensive side of well. The North Hagerstown pass rush was getting in pretty good in the first half. That was something I was talking about at our halftime about how to stop that, and the run defense wasn't there for the Hubs, and Spring Mills took advantage. Well, you guys were able to catch up with Coach Sims after the game, and here is that conversation. Well, Coach, let's first start with one of the most incredible high school football drives I've ever seen. After the interception, you rip the ball down the field patiently, kill a ton of time, and then cap that off with a touchdown. You've got to be unbelievably impressed with that last offensive possession. Yeah, and I mean, you know, that's that's one of those things we've been working. You know, it, it really benefits our team with so many guys going both ways to really slow the game down. Um, so, you know, uh, you know, and, and, and that's something these kids have, have done pretty well with the last three games. You know, we, we had a couple drives against Martinsburg that were 15, 16 play drives and then 13 and, or 12 and 13 play drives. Same thing with Frankfurt, same thing against Hedgesville. So that's something that, you know, you, you, you don't really wake up in the morning and say you want to do that as a football team or a football coach, but it's one of those things we've had a lot of injuries. we got a lot of guys going both ways, and it benefits our kids to slow the game down. Uh, you said Max was back towards 100%. I think I lost track, but I have him somewhere in the neighborhood of 38 carries tonight. So uh, certainly more than confident to give him the chance to continue to move the chains and, and keep the ball moving on the ground tonight. Yeah, and, 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 and that's one of those things with Max there. You know, some of those are, are pass calls that you know he goes and scrambles and, and, and takes it. But you know, you, you obviously do not do not want to be giving Max the ball that many times. But you know, the, the, their you know safe runs, you know, where he, he sees everybody everybody coming at him. Um, and you know, again, he's a tough kid, and he wants the stinking ball. And you know, when you try not to give it to him, he's asking for it. So you know, Max obviously has been Max. Alex Eaton on that last drive, and especially in the fourth quarter, started to get rolling a little bit and really helped us out. Um, but you know, credit North Hagerstown. You know, they took away some things we really like to do in the run game. Um, you know, that made it much more difficult on us. So, uh, you know, credit them as well for, you know, making us earn every yard. And how about Tristan Davis as well? Comes up with a big reception there in the end zone and comes up with the interception as well. Made two of the biggest plays tonight as well for your team. Yeah, and, you know, you couldn't be happier to see that uh, Tristan Tristan make those plays. Um, you know, the, you know, obviously the, the interception. Um, but, you know, once again, we're, we're, we've dealt with some pretty serious injury issues. You know, Tristan, Tristan uh, has been a receiver for us. So, you know, we had to move him to tight end, and he had to learn a position in a week. So, you know, for him to go and uh, make a, a big play like that, um, you know, we're very, very happy for him. And he's been a warrior for us all year. Whatever we've asked him to do, um, you know, whether that be defensively, special teams, offense, he's done it. So, uh, really happy for that kid. And lastly, Coach, your defense again, you pitch a second-half shutout. You mentioned some of the guys getting healthy. Gavin Jones comes up with a big couple of TFLs, some sacks as well. Uh, defensive adjustments, you really asserted your dominance there and the second half of play. Yeah, and I mean, uh, uh, you know, Gavin Jones and Sam Stalter make a big difference. You know, uh, th those are your two seniors. 
Uh, Sam's your leading tackler by about 25 tackles, you know, the next closest guy. So they make a big difference, um, you know, and Gavin off the edge, getting some pressure and, you know, um, getting in the face of the quarterback, you know, squeezing down on the run game. Uh, you know, uh, they obviously make a big difference, and, and, and it showed tonight. So it looked like it was really an all-around performance for the Cardinals last night. It absolutely was. And one thing I undersold that you heard there in the, the conversation with Coach Sims was that last touchdown drive that Spring Mills had. It took about eight minutes off the clock. After Tristan Davis gets the interception, they have it uh, across midfield about the 40-yard line. So they go 62 yards down the field and kill about eight minutes worth of clock, getting four or five yards a carry. And by that point, it almost didn't matter that they got the touchdown at the end of the drive. They had just demolished North Hagerstown spirit, and the Hubs just weren't able to come up with an answer. Wouldn't have been able to score one touchdown, let alone the two that they needed to win the game. So important for Spring Mills. Got off to a little bit of a shaky start, turned things around in the second half. Now a very winnable game against Albert Gallatin coming up. And if all things go to plan, if they're able to win that game, Four and five going into the last game of the season against the university with a chance to make the playoffs. You couldn't ask for much more uh, when you come down to the end of a high school football season. Yeah, it was impressive, too, how Spring Mills really took advantage of their running game. And they looked at North Harris and say, hey, you're going to spread the defensive line, try and set the edge with your defenders. OK, we're going to send it right up the middle and run with Max Anderson every single time. Try and stop him. Coach Sims looked at his team and said, hey, I like you guys more than I like their guys. And they proved it. They brought the physicality on the offensive line. The pass blocking might have not been all the way there in the first half as Anderson went down with a couple sacks, but they turned to their rushing attack, and that's really what won Spring Mills the game. And, of course, we have our second of the Panhandle games of the week tonight, and this one between Musselman or Musselman, between Martinsburg. We were saying Martinsburg every time we're trying to say Musselman. <laughs> now I'm saying Musselman every time I'm trying to say Martinsburg. Uh, but Martinsburg going down to Jefferson County uh, to take on the Jefferson High Cougars. And uh, what are we kind of expecting from this one? A lot of offense, a lot of speed, a lot of athleticism on the outside for each team. Uh, the best combination of receivers uh, for two individual teams matching up, I think, in the state of West Virginia this year, save like Parkersburg South and Wheeling Park. Uh, there's a ton of athletes, uh, four very good quarterbacks, if you think about it, with Clement, Bajant, Goins, and Harwich. But Harwich, of course, uh, taking the lion's share of snaps for Jefferson. Bajant taking the lion's share of snaps for Martinsburg. Martinsburg starting to get healthy again, uh, which is a dangerous sight for any team in the state as they're as dominant as usual. But you also have in the back of your mind, uh, and Coach Hunter alluded to this when we had him on, an EPAC team hasn't beaten Martinsburg since 2007. And they would very much like to be that team to give them that first loss. They have the pieces to do it. It's just about execution. You're playing at your home stadium. you got the fans in your uh, to support you they got your back uh, and I'm excited to see what happens and I think a thing too as well last night's game was running the ball physical football this game the complete opposite you got two teams that are going to have high powered offense throw the ball a lot more than what you're seeing you're going to see more of a high powered college style offense between both these teams a lot of speed on the field as Luke alluded to before this one's going to be fun if you can get out there and check out both these teams do it and if you can't you can of course hear the game tonight with Jordan and Luke on our Panhandle Game of the Week on WEPM and WCSD. That's right, and don't forget, you can always text us, 304-263-4321. Do you think that this is the game where, well, Martinsburg finally loses to an EPAC team? What did you say, 2007? That's what Hunter said. I need to double. Wow. Not that I don't yeah. trust him, but uh, that's, that's pretty remarkable. Isn't yeah, that's You know where I was incredible. in 07? Third grade. <laughs> third grade. <laughs> that, doing in that was your third year in third grade? <laughs> yeah, it was, my third, it, was my third, it was my third go around in third grade. That wouldn't be surprising, Parker. <laughs> Uh, but Texas, 304-263-4321. Uh, is this the year that, well, Jefferson is the EPAC team that takes down the Kings in Martinsburg? Let us know. 304-263-4321. We'll be back with more Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live. 
Join the conversation on Twitter at EP News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bath. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com on Facebook, or you can go to their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. And real quick, before we get into talking a little Shepherd football, remind people again, Luke, about our Panhandle Game of the Week for tonight. Uh, sure. Tuning in at 7 o'clock tonight. Pre-game beginning about 6.50. Jefferson and Martinsburg, like we said. Uh, it's another opportunity. And I double-checked 2007, last time that Martinsburg hmm. lost to an EPAC team. It was Jefferson. Uh, but a chance for them to, uh, uh, to to make some history, potentially. They got the athletes to do it. You'll have to tune in and find out see how it goes. Absolutely. Now it'll be right here on WPM, WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Right around 7 o'clock. Uh, so tune in for that one. And it's gonna be. I think it's going to be packed over at the field. And uh, what's that? I can't remember what the town is called. Shouldn't even brought it up. Well, over there in Jefferson <laughs> County. Uh, so it'll be a good one. Uh, and I'm looking forward to that one for sure. And again, you can tune into that one right here on WPM a little bit later on today. But over on 95.9, the big dog last night, it was the Ernie McCook show live from Captain Bender's Tavern. Had Ty Lucas and Nathan Muley on. Go figure. Martinsburg, Jefferson guys that were on the show. And uh, it was funny. Uh, I wasn't able to cut all of it up yet, but it was funny uh, talking to them about it. And they kept uh, saying, you know, I, was, I usually ask them what was their best and worst day out on a football field. And it was funny that they their worst days were against each other playing high school football, and their best days were also against each other playing high school football. <laughs> and uh, you can tell uh, in that interview which one goes either way. But what I really wanted to get talking to Coach about uh, was going into halftime last week uh, during that Millersville game because we've seen really, really good football from the Rams all season long. But going towards the half, we saw some of the sloppiest football uh, that I think we've seen all year long from the Rams. So here uh, is Coach McCook from the Ernie Cook show last night, talking about those last couple of minutes going into halftime in the homecoming game last week. Millersville did a nice job putting some plays together and getting themselves in the ability where they kicked a field goal. and Or, no, I guess they had a field goal, mm-hmm. then they scored a touchdown. Yep. And, and, you know, on the back out, I mean, it was a four-by-one, and they, they had quads, I guess it was, and, and they, they threw it out there, and... We just missed. We just had a had a mental breakdown there, and Kate was wide open. And he found a way to score, um, you know. And so credit to them, you know. Millersville is going to continue to battle, um, but I thought where that happened, you know, it was it was what it was. And then, you know, the ball gets squibbed, and you know we have some miscommunication. Ronnie Brown ends up within his hands. And, you know, Ronnie Brown, you know, you. you, you can't get be mad at him because the guy's just trying to make a play. Yep. That kid, anytime he touches a ball, is going to try and make a play for our football team. And they, you know, they put a helmet on it, popped up, they scooped and scored, and it made it twenty-one to seventeen. You know, but this is where you know I think you know if you our our goal when we have if we win the opening kickoff, we always want to defer choice the second half um, because we want to somehow have the ball at the end of the first half. And then they call it the middle eight. Yep. And we, we, we kind of talked about it on Sunday. said we really did a bad job with the first part of the middle eight. But then, you know, but knowing we were going to get the football back in the second half, just start the half out, it gave us a little bit of, okay, let's not panic here. We're going to get the ball back. We're not going to, you know. And I think we, we had a drive that didn't end with any points, but we were able to establish a difficult field position for them. And then our defense, again, came out with a three and out. We got great field position, and we were able to drive down and put points on the board, which then started to, you know, the confidence built up. Our guys started to make plays. And, you know, it was it's interesting when you talk to them on the sidelines, like, 
Uh, and I know we're going to go through the scores, but when the kids are starting to say, hey, we knew that was going to happen, we felt, you know, felt this was going to happen, felt we were going to be able to make this run, we felt we were going to convert that down. And, um, and I, I think that's kind of where, where we, you know, were. And I thought our players, again, man, this is a, this is a fun group of guys. Yeah. He's a, it's a special group of guys, uh, and it's not just, not just the seniors, but the juniors, the sophomores. I mean, these guys come out and work hard, and, and they don't complain, and um, I, I'm really proud of them. That was Coach talking about that. Kind of crazy last couple of minutes going into halftime last week uh, in that homecoming game. And, Luke, you know, that was kind of, of course, the Rams were in the driver's seat the whole game. Uh, but that was a moment in that game to where the momentum could have twisted drastically towards Millersville's direction. Then who really knows what could have happened past that? Yeah, and it becomes an opportunity for Coach McCook to go into the locker room and say, then, uh, at a moment's notice, this game can get flicked on its head, and we can drop a game to a team that we don't want to. It was kind of a you know call it a come to Jesus moment or just a wake up call uh, as they were just a little bit lackadaisical, like you mentioned, just a lapse in coverage. You know, Ronnie Brown, he said he was fine with him returning that kick out of the end zone, but I don't necessarily think he did a good a job as. Uh, securing it as he could have as obviously it got knocked free to, to kind of rattle some cages in half and, and then come out in the second half and dominate so that's another one of those instances where at the time it made people a little nervous at the half uh, even though I, I think we felt like we said that Shepard kind of had that one in the bag we mm-hmm. felt anyways um, but Shepard can use that as an opportunity uh, later in the season uh, against some teams with uh, just a little bit better metal to their name and, and say look at what happened in that Millersville game if this was Kutztown we wouldn't be up by four. Mm-hmm. We'd be down by two touchdowns. So it's about playing complete games. He talked about that middle eight and, and making sure that you maintain the dominance that you want to have over teams from start to finish. And this is times in the season where you got to use those type of situations to prepare yourself for what's going to be comp- tougher competition later on. You're going to be facing teams that have gone undefeated themselves in their conferences and their divisions in the season. You're going to be facing them come playoff time. It's going to be tough to begin these situations against these teams. If you get something like that against a tough team like a Grand Valley or a Ferris State, you're going to be faced two, three touchdown deficits as opposed to being up four going to the half, as Luke alluded to, against Millersville. Now's the time where you clean that stuff up, especially with this stretch for the Rams where we think they have a very good chance to run the table and go undefeated in their regular season. Now's the time to really polish things up and get everything clicking on all cylinders before you get ready for a playoff push. Well, you heard Coach say kind of there towards the end. I mean, this team, they're so mentally strong that, uh, you know, even the craziness that was the end of that first half last week didn't really rattle them at all. I mean, yeah, they needed a little bit of coming together there, I'm sure. Uh, but the leaders stepped up and, well, they went back out there and they uh, put up a ton of points. They ended up putting 55 up, I believe, is what the final score was. But they go up to Westchester uh, tomorrow, just outside of Philadelphia, to face off against the Westchester Golden Rams. I think it's the first time uh, we've ever been to uh, Westchester to play at the, the Golden Rams at Westchester. And it's going to be a tough one. And here's what Coach's thoughts are about this Westchester game tomorrow. One, they're a very good football team. They're really strong on defense. They have one of the best running backs in the region in McKenzie. We've seen a lot of him over the last couple of years. We know how big and physical he is. Uh, and, and they are playing two quarterbacks. They got the one quarterback that's very shifty and will run a little bit. Uh, so we're going to have to, you know, be sound and, you know, do what we're coached to do on defense. And our players going to have to make plays. Uh, we're going to have to put them and make them one-dimensional. Put them in a position where they, they, we, we can, you know, call the shots with them, dealing with their offense. And, you know, they, they were, they, they, they had a big game offensively against us last year. And our defense came up with a big stop. 
So we, we're, we're going to prepare. Our, our guys have done a great job preparing all week for it, and I think we had a really good walkthrough today, and I, I think our, our you know, I, feel, I think our defensive staff feels real good about where we're at. Made some, you know, corrections and stuff like that. So I'm really, I'm really, I'm really excited for how to watch our defense play. Offensively, you know, they, 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 the linebacker uh, Taylor is their best, is maybe the best linebacker in the region. I mean, a guy can absolutely play. He was a defensive player of the year last year. Um, made, makes a lot of plays. He's going to be a force. He's somebody that we're going to have to make sure we're putting a hat on. And, and they do a good job. Their defensive front is getting after you and, and causing problems at the line of scrimmage. And their secondary can cover when they need to. So we're going to have to hold up and we're going to have to play a physical brand of football. And this is our first time playing at Westchester. We haven't played there before, so we'll have to be, you know, it's going to be a new environment. And uh, we'll have to play well. And you know, we've got, we have a lot riding on every game. And this is a really good opponent. Their head coach is the, you know, has the longest tenure of any coach in the PSAC. He's won a half a dozen championships. Uh, he's the winningest coach in the PSAC. Guy's a great football coach. His staff is great. Um, so we've got our work cut out for us. Of course, you can hear the play-by-play over on 95.9. The Big Dog, myself, and Luke. Uh, tomorrow, starting at 11 for the pregame show. Kickoff is at noon. But on paper, this is a game that the Rams should theoretically be able to kind of not necessarily slide through uh, this one, but win this one nonetheless. Although, Westchester does present, like Coach was saying, a few different challenges, especially on the well on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and we had talked about with Millersville and Shippensburg that there was a, a chance for those teams, or Lockhaven, I should say. Mm-hmm. There was a chance for those teams to play upset. Uh, but in the back of our mind, we're thinking Shepard should dominate here in individual talent. Westchester, of the three that they've played, truly uh, presents the biggest risk for me because Bills won their head coach, uh, like Coach McCook alluded to. He has a 72% career winning percentage. He's been there for 20 years. He knows what he's doing. He's got a unique style of offense with those two guys that he talked about with Kohler uh, and the other one as well, uh, Cooper Jordan. Uh, they're two very good quarterbacks. He mentioned the running back as well. Jaden McKenzie's having a down season, only averaging 3.7 yards per rush, but he's somebody that can hurt you at a moment's notice. And he was right to highlight Jackson Taylor as well. Man's got 14 and a half TFLs through seven games and 61 tackles, which is remarkable. They're well coached and they've got some skill position players and it's, it's a home game for them. Uh, so it becomes a little bit more of an uncomfortable environment for Shepard and unfamiliar waters. Still a game that I would favor them in by probably two scores. But again, if you have that second quarter that you had uh, last week in the Millersville game against a team that's a little bit better in quality like Westchester, uh, they can flip your season upside down. So Shepard has to take this game as seriously as they need to uh, if they want to remain a perfect 8-0. And the big key here for this game, I think, is going to be the Rams' offense getting it going early because Westchester on both sides of the ball, rushing and passing defenses, they're, they're near the top of the PSAC in both of them. You look at the rushing stats right now defensively, they're number six. This is the best rush defense they've had to face since Kutztown and Callender. Pass defense, number four in the PSAC. This is going to be the toughest pass defense they've played all season long. Can Bajan and the guys get it rolling early and the slow starts we've talked about, it's been slow starts for the Rams for a few games now on offense. They've kind of pieced it together a little bit. Can they get the momentum going early and take a little bit of pressure to stop the run from this Westchester team? 
Well, that's the thing. They have been able to get started pretty early here these last couple of games, and uh, that's what's helped them, especially there uh, last week with that crazy end of the first half. If you don't have a good start to that game, then that really turns into a problematic situation. If it's a one-score game or a three-point game or a no-score game, uh, then that really gets it um, a little bit more dicey, I guess. But with this team, they've really started to figure it out, and the defense has really been uh, the most impressive thing to me. And we talked about it at length during the Ernie McCook show about how you can piece the really anybody on this defense anywhere and they can be just as productive as the guys that are there, you know, strictly at that position. I brought up, you know, Dwayne Grantham. I think he's the perfect example of that. At linebacker, I mean, you can put him at defensive end. You can put him at the secondary. You can put him at corner to play man-to-man, or you can probably put him next to Journey Dunbar on the line, and he'll still probably be able to cause a little bit of havoc uh, in the backfield. So the pressure, well, it seems to always be on the defense, but they've seemed to be able to handle it pretty well. And, of course, we know how that Shepard Rams offense can get moving, especially because it doesn't seem like it's a proper game until Ronnie Brown knocks off a 70-plus-yard touchdown run. It doesn't seem like it's really official until then. But the Rams head up to Westchester, Pennsylvania tomorrow to face off against Westchester going to Rams at 12 noon. We'll have your pregame show starting over on 95.9 The Big Dog at 11 a.m. tomorrow morning. But stick around after the break. My goodness, there was a lot of NFL news that hit the scene uh, pretty late last night. Christian McCaffrey, he's gone. I found that out this morning. I had no clue. (laughs) Yeah, uh, SVP broke it last night when I got home. I was like, wait. What? So we'll talk about that here in a minute on Panhandle Sports Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live. Heard on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchen to Bath. You can check them out at MountaineerKitchenToBath.com on Facebook, or you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. And Parker, real quick. Where we talk about some EPAC soccer, uh, ran downstairs to grab the coffee creamer and the big refrigerator. And of course, you are the resident um, soda guy here, or pop, <laughs> depending on what you want to call it. Soda pop. And I saw that you had a different kind of Pepsi Cola down there. So you're kind of breaking away from your traditional uh, Mountain Dews and your Baja Blast. And you got, what was that, a real sugar Pepsi Cola down there? It was some sort of black cherry thing. I bought some before we rolled up to North Hagerstown last night. I ended up not drinking that one. Funny enough, uh, Luke will get a chuckle on this. When we were getting ready to roll into the uh, press box, and I think the uh, the Pepsi was in my left pouch pocket on my backpack. Takes a tumble, all that all that uh, carbonation just funnels right to the top. So I was like, well, I've never seen a person more devastated than carrying three bottles of soda in his arm. One of them falls on the ground. Lost it. Like someone had just shot his dog. Like, uh, I was like, well... That, that'll be saved for after the game. So <laughs> there it sat. And then, yeah, pretty much. So I didn't even get to that one. So that'll be during uh, probably middle of the uh, XDC shift today. We'll probably be down at the uh, like Black Cherry Pepsi Cola. You're pacing them out. I like that. I know. I don't know how you do it. It's Here's the thing with this. I told you about this. So uh, I like have a barometer of like, I cannot have a soda past ele- like before 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. That's, like, that's like, it's like 11 o'clock. You got to drive home afterwards. 11 o'clock is the barrier of like, okay. It's acceptable to drink a soda during the lunch hour, but it's not acceptable beforehand. Like, it is not socially acceptable to down thirty ounces of Coca Cola. See, I, 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 you know people. You know people drink soda in the mornings to like substitute for coffee. Yeah, I did that in high school. Mm-hmm. That, I don't know. I a just caffeine kick for yeah. for me. It's like okay, focus. Well, on I don't drink. think caffeine's touching him anymore. No, at least no not one can. No, no <laughs> shot. About six. No shot. Especially especially since my little brother's got me on some like jacked up pre workout going to the gym now. 
Yeah, I'm, I can't careful imagine. What you're I need to see your caffeine. I need to see a blood test from you to your caffeine. It's probably levels. not good, honestly. The lining of your stomach is no longer <laughs> existent. It is, probably it is, not. It, is, it wouldn't it, shock me one bit. It has the dexterity of a piece of toilet paper. Oh, <laughs> no gosh. wonder you're so cheerful all the time. You're just all hopped up all day. <laughs> hey, guys. Hey. He just goes and has withdrawal at about 8 o'clock at night. I just think it's hilarious that, uh, well, the best part is that you're recycling these cans because you're going through a fair amount of aluminum cans. I won't dox you too much. I've been, I've been making the joke in the office. I've been saying, well, we're turning this into a graveyard. <laughs> over here so <laughs> well you're uh, you're putting them in the recycling bin next to uh susan's desk out there making her look like the one that's hammering like 12 13 sodas a day which i think is pretty good <laughs> but um anyways aside from soda talk uh we had some uh, soccer sectional finals uh happening recently here in the panhandle luke yeah we did and in hampshire yesterday which was the the top seed for both boys and girls in that sectional washington upsets in both and girls they won two nil and in the boys soccer the game goes to overtime a 2-1 final johan avarka i believe is how you say his name gets the overtime winner for that one so washington who if i'm correct was the two out out of the three teams in those sectionals when both they advanced to a regional final uh on the other side of things the other regionals that were being played spring mills and boys soccer they beat hedgesville two nil spring mills uh, for those of you just kind of unfamiliar, they're, they're the heavyweight. They're the, the, the title favorite coming out of the panhandle in boys' soccer. And then in girls' soccer, Hedgesville beats Martinsburg 3-1. So uh, to put that in perspective, we're now down to two teams left that will go to regional play in boys' and girls' soccer. Washington against Spring Mills will happen at uh, 5 o'clock on Tuesday. And then Washington against Hedgesville in girls as both of those teams look to try to make it to the state tournament. I would argue, again, that Spring Mills remains the favorite, but Washington's playing some really good soccer at a really important time. Um, and then Washington and Hedgesville and girls soccer, I think those teams are both very evenly matched. It's going to be interesting to see how that goes on. Uh, I would encourage our listeners to tune in Tuesday uh, or go to the EPEC, or rather the at uh, EP News Network Twitter page. I'll be tweeting out updates from the regionals, and then on Wednesday's show we'll uh, recap it all up and set the scene for the state tournament. And you mentioned as well with uh, it seems like the hot spot for high school stuff was Hampshire this yeah, well, yesterday going on because the uh, cross-country championships region two was going on over at Hampshire as well, and Jefferson swept both of those. Of course, Jefferson dominated the EPAC meet. The Region 2 meet, the Cougars win both of those. So fully expect Jefferson to make a lot of noise coming into the state cross-country meet, which I had no idea about this before I started running at Concord, guys. Apparently, this is a humongous deal. Like There's like a bunch of pomp and circumstance with this thing. I never knew about that. It wasn't that big of a thing in Virginia. It was like, all right, you go, your race is it. They get all this thing going. I think they usually have it at Cabo Midland every year. Yes. And it does move around, but I believe it's at Cabo Midland this year. And they, they get the thing all blown up and everything. So I, it's going to be exciting. I think Jefferson's got a good chance to really make some noise in this state cross-country meet as well. So keep an eye out for the Cougars. Well, Parker, could try to break us down or break down for us uh, what happened with the Carolina Panthers and why everybody's gone and they're probably not going to be able to finish the season. Well, it's just a case of it's sell time. It's it's time you fired your head coach. You've traded your best overall player who I think at this point it's the right time to trade Christian McCaffrey. He's a running back. He's 26 years old. You've had concerns with him being stable and at this point I think Christian McCaffrey to be a building block of your future it's not there he's more of a present guy and trading him to the 49ers I think it's a great look San Francisco gets a lot better at the running back position they've had questions between rotating guys like Raheem Mostert who's now in Miami you had Jeff Wilson step in for Elijah Mitchell who's been hurt for most this season the 49ers have had a kind of like a rotating carousel in the backfield and getting Christian McCaffrey in there will be 
such a great ad if he can stay healthy. And this can. And now I'm interested to see how they're going to use Debo Samuel. Are they going to have him more in the backfield now? Are they going to split him more out wide now? It's are we going to see less of wide back Debo Samuel? See him more as a traditional wide receiver. That's what I'm interested to see. And on the Carolina side, I, again, I think it's the right move for the Panthers. You traded away Robbie Anderson earlier this week too after that blow up that he had. Could more be on the move in Carolina? I think so. People are speculating that linebacker Shaq Thompson could be traded next as another guy. For uh, And the big one here I'm concerned about, I don't think Brian Burns and I don't think Derek Brown are going to get traded. I think they value both of those guys as key pieces on their defense in the future. DJ Moore is the interesting one. They said they won't go, they're not going to trade him. It's If the right deal comes, I think they it would have to take at least a first-round pick to get DJ Moore, I think, off the Carolina Panthers. But if a team like the Packers... Like the Giants, if a team is willing to surrender that to get DJ Moore, I think it's a great look. And we're speaking of wide receivers, a guy kind of regionally close to us, Chase Claypool out of the Steelers. There's been rumors flying around that he might be on the trading block looking for that. And the Packers have shown a little bit of interest. Claypool, of course, had a big game last week. Do I think Claypool gets traded? I don't think so. I think he's too good for the Steelers' future to get traded. I don't think you put George Pickens in that position as the number two wide receiver just yet. But it's very interesting. There's a lot of trade rumors going around. And again, NFL trade deadline is 4 o'clock on this coming Tuesday, I believe. I think we're 11 days out. It's November the 1st. So whatever date November the 1st is, 4 o'clock is your NFL trade deadline. So keep an eye out on a lot of these guys moving around. Panthers could be fire selling, so maybe your team will pick up somebody. But the thing that doesn't make sense about the CMC trade is the return that they got from the Niners. A second, third, and fourth round pick in next year or this year's draft, and then a fifth round pick in 2024 for arguably the most impactful offensive player in football. I mean, you'd have to think that there's a lot of NFL GMs right now that are thinking if that's what it takes to get CMC, even though we didn't necessarily need him or want him at the top of our list, we certainly would have been willing to give up more than that. I think that's the biggest thing that uh, Panther fans are trying to reconcile with right now is, yes, they knew that he needed to go and get traded. You know, running backs start to deteriorate as they get into the late 20s. So is he going to be a part of this organization when we think that we've got it rebuilt in the next four years? Uh, but they're upset that the return that they got for him is dreadful. Second, third, fourth, and again, a fifth-round pick in the draft after this one is is just really unacceptable in my opinion. I'm not saying that he should have commanded two firsts, but a first, multiple seconds, you know, fourth and fifth-round picks are just cannon fodder, to be completely honest with you. You can get an okay back at those points to replace him, although I think Chuba Hubbard's going to do well. But the return that they got for McCaffrey, I think, in this situation is unacceptable. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see as the 49ers are going uh, all out of the Los Angeles Rams of the last couple of years, trading all all of their draft capital uh, to try to win one now. Absolutely. It was a, uh, a very interesting thing to see that scroll across the ticker last night. The McCaffrey got traded. I was like, oh, what? I feel like I almost reacted like I would have uh, Mike Trout ended up getting traded. Kind of like, <laughs> when did that happen? But Hopefully I that comes next. <laughs> yeah. Well, I should. Well, no, he's he deserves to stay in L.A. He signed the now. extension. Yep. Stay there forever. Get Shohei out of there as soon as possible. But Trout's going to stay there forever. But I should have had you guys go down uh, to South High last night on your way back through. is North-South Soccer uh, for the Tesla Cup, which is like the county mm. cup. And, um, well, South was apparently supposed to get completely blown out because North is pretty good this year. But uh, North ends up only winning 2-1 to take the home to Tesla Cup uh, for the first time since 2011, which oh, is actually wow. kind of surprising uh, for Washington County Soccer. So... I guess shout out to the Hubs and uh, shout out for the Rebels to uh, giving them a little bit of a game last night as North Hagerstown wins that soccer match 2-1. to one. But stick around. We'll be back. Wrap things up here on Panhandle Sports Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. 
Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchen to Bath. You can visit them at mountaineerkitchenbath.com. On Facebook, you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinburg. And Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. And it's time for a Friday edition of Parker's Picks. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. All right, guys, the uh, curse of Thursday Night Football finally ended, and I was happy, that although the under did not hit for the bonus picks for yesterday, I'm glad we actually got a competitive and high-scoring football game for once on Thursday night. But the lock did not hit for that one. Alvin Kamara was just short of his rushing yards. He needed 63. He had 49, but he did go over 100-plus total yards, so... I guess you can get what you can take there. He scored for me good in fantasy, so we'll take that. But the Cardinals did end up winning, so we went one of three altogether for yesterday. And looking into the weekend, we got a football-loaded one, and I'm going college lock of the day. I'm going Penn State minus 5.5 against Minnesota. I think the Nittany Lions rebound big against the Michigan loss where they had them in the first half. They were only down three. Michigan runs away with it. I think Penn State beats Minnesota pretty good here, get rebounded there, and get themselves back up into the rankings. And looking into the bonus picks as well, I think Clemson beats Syracuse. I was a little afraid to pick the spread on this one. It's about two-touchdown spread. I don't know how well Clemson was going to do against Syracuse. I was hoping they were going to play Florida State and did Syracuse, so I can kind of have a barometer of where to go here. But I'm going to be safe here and take the money line, Clemson against Syracuse. And for uh, Jordan's Cats, I was a little afraid to pick a winner in that one as they're playing TCU this weekend. But I do Battle think- of the purple teams. It is the battle of the purple, purple teams field, of the Big 12. Yeah. But I do think the deuce gets loose in this one, and I think Deuce Vaughn scores a touchdown anytime in this game against TCU. The Horned Frogs are barely outside the top 50 in rush defense in all of Division One football. I think Deuce gets loose in this one. I think he gets a touchdown for Kansas State. And what I think is going to be, you could argue that one might be the game of the weekend for college football. That one's going to be an enticing and exciting one. That one, and then UCLA-Oregon, I think is going to be another good one too, guys. But moving into the NFL slates for this weekend, this line hasn't dropped yet because it's just a little bit early. But my lock of the day for NFL, whatever Saquon Barkley's (laughs) rushing yardage is, hammer the over on that one because he is going to get loose on a Jaguars defense that has struggled against the run this year take Saquon Barkley he's been having an amazing season he's running away with comeback player of the year he could win offensive player of the year the way things are going he's looked fantastic and as well as I know you know I kind of this was unexpected but I'm packing all three of our teams into the uh, NFL picks for the weekend Ravens minus six and a half against the Browns take that one and I have the Raiders beating the Texans as well so a good weekend for all of us here hopefully on the Panhandle Sports Live team but again locks of the day for the weekend college lock Penn State minus five and a half against Minnesota NFL lock whatever Saquon Barkley's rushing yardage prop is take the over. Well, I was getting ready to ask you guys a little uh, NBA basketball question here, especially about the Lakers and how bad they are. But before that, because uh, the tweet directly above that that caught my eye, uh, you guys are video gamers, right? Yeah, yeah I'd say so. You play uh, Modern Warfare at all? A little like bit. Call of Duty? I did not really get much into the shooters, but I've seen enough like clips and stuff to kind of have a, at least a sparing knowledge. Well, there's a, a leaked kind of video here, the graphics for the new Modern Warfare. And for, I think, about 15 seconds of the 20-second video, I thought it was a real-life thing. So that'll be pretty impressive. That's a good sign. It is a good sign. Hopefully that comes to GTA too. Whenever that, when when I'm 65 years old and the new one comes out. But speaking about uh, basketball, Russ 0 for 11 last night, and that is pretty much echoed through the rest of the Lakers. They did not have a good shooting performance. They're 0 and 2 to start the season. Yes, only two games in. You can't put too much weight into it. But Russell uh, Westbrook going 0 for 11 
and only getting two points. What, 0 for 11, two points, four assists, five steals. Not a very good start for them. And then he was quoted saying he thought he played well, which is <laughs> remarkable. Uh, oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here, actually, I have that. Hang on one second. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You personally, how would you assess your game tonight? Um, solid. Solid. <laughs> solid. Solid. Play hard. That's all you can ask for. Um, He's right. All you can ask for is play hard. Uh, they're shooting 22% from three. That's got to change. Somebody posted a job on Indeed that says Lakers three-point shooter, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Uh, LeBron had a, another good quote uh, from the first game. He said, you know, we got our open looks from three, but I'm starting to wonder if those open looks were by design because we can't shoot, and they can't shoot. Uh, so that's going to have yeah. to change because they're good in the half court. Anthony Davis looks spry, uh, but if nobody on this team can hit shots, then this team's not going to win. I was thinking, who are you going to get to shoot the three, LeBron? And he might be the best three-point shooter out of that starting lineup, and well, that's not good. got Matt Ryan on the team. Not that Matt Ryan. I was, I was about Ryan. to say, that's, that's hey, what not the guy you Matt want. Matt Ryan is their shooter. <laughs> Him and uh, Lonnie Walker, the fourth. <laughs> that's not a that's not a promising shooting lineup there. I, I don't know if they can pull Kyle Korver out of retirement or get J.J. Redick out of the ESPN desk or what, but they, they, they need a three-point shooter pretty bad. They need to space the floor a little bit if the Lakers want any shot, which seems like it's we're coming towards the twilight of LeBron James's career and with Bronny coming through the woodwork right now, he might dart off and leave the Lakers high and dry. And then next thing you know, Anthony Davis requests a trade and the Lakers are back to where they were pre-LeBron in a tumultuous rebuild that never seems to get going. It's going to be an interesting one. And we do have a lot of NBA games coming up on this Friday, too. A lot of interesting ones. The Wizards are playing tonight. as yes, they, they have the Chicago Bulls at home. That'll be a fun game. You've got a lot of good ones. Celtics Heat, rematch of the Eastern Conference Finals. That'll be a good one. Nets, Raptors, Jazz, Timberwolves, the uh, Rudy Gobert revenge games tonight. So that'll be fun. And then a little bit another one. Can the Denver Nuggets rebound from the upset against the Jazz? we got Nuggets Warriors tonight as well. One more thing about that Laker game. John Wall back on a basketball court gets 15 points. Oh, my Look goodness. Good. I, I, I'm so happy to see him succeed. I hope he does well. Clippers are my finals team. There you go. Kawhi Clippers. coming off the bench too was really weird. Kawhi and John Wall come off the bench for that team. Yeah, well, that's impressive. <laughs> I love Kawhi. I love how awkward he is off the court. I love how good he is on the court. I think the Knicks. I think the Knicks got a chance. They stay healthy and they maybe add a piece here and there. Maybe uh, you know an extra shooter or something. I think the Knicks got a chance, fellas. But as we know, they'll break my heart anyways. So just like the Mountaineers. Welcome to sports. We'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Welcome to sports. We're winning in Lubbock this weekend, guys. That's Book right. It. That's right. You can listen to nine hours of Metro News coverage of uh, game day right here on WEPM tomorrow. But for Parker, for Luke, I'm Jordan. This has been Panhandle Sports Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Have a great weekend. Panhandle Live is next. We'll talk to you later. Pleasure, pleasure in preaching starts in the heart. Something that stimulates the music and the measure, measure in the music, racing three parts. Casually see, but don't do like the soul, because seeing and doing are actions for monkeys. Doing hip hop, hustle, no rock and roll, unless your name's Brewster, because Brewster's a punk. Parents let go, because it's magic in the air. Criticizing rap, shows you're out of order. Stop looking, listen to the phrase and Fred stairs, and don't get offended while Mace Dosi does your daughter. A dry camera roll system is now set. Fly around the store under Daisy Productions. It stands for the inner sound, y'all, in your Quebec, that the action not a trip, but show nothing. Everybody wants to be a DJ. Everybody wants to be in the WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.